What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the From the Booth Podcast. My name is Mike, and today we're going to be giving the top 10 list for individual team draft classes in NFL history. Um, I thought, you know, with the draft coming up, I want to try to think of as much draft content as I can uh, before the draft. So I kind of did some research, and I wanted to make a video on the top 10 individual team draft classes in NFL history, guys. So for this video, um, I'm going to be giving my list of the top 10 draft classes. I'll give you some notable know draftees for this team and then kind of explain how it set up the franchise for years to come because that's honestly the ultimate goal of the draft is to set your franchise up well years down the line in the draft you know get the building blocks to build a Super Bowl caliber team and pretty much all of these teams on this list they did that so um, we're gonna be taking a look at that right now but before we get into this video guys don't forget to subscribe to the channel we are uh, on the road to 100 right before the, um, the draft um, speaking of the draft, I will be live streaming the draft on April 27th, the first round. So if you guys are interested, make sure to stop by. I'll be giving all my live reactions to everything going on on draft night. But let's go ahead and get right into the video, guys. So I'm going to be starting with number 10, and I'm going to be working my way down. So make sure you watch the whole video if you want to see, you know, numbers 1, 2, and 3, um, because that's how numbers work. Um, but yeah, if you want to see my whole my whole list, make sure to stay till the end of the video. Beginning into number 10, I have the 2017 New Orleans Saints. Now, why was this draft class so good? They drafted in the first round Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramchek, two really, really great players at two really big positions, uh, important positions at, you know, corner and tackle, respectively. They drafted Marcus Williams, who was a steal in the second round. He had been a really good safety for a long time. Uh, I think he's with the Ravens now, but, you know, he was a really good safety for the, for the Saints, minus, like, one play in particular. And then the steal of this draft was Alvin Kamara. Um... There was kind of a lot of craziness that went on between, you know, the trades and stuff uh, with the Bears and the 49ers and then the 49ers with the Saints. That 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 pick that was Alvin Kamara's was initially the Bears, I believe. And then, you know, through their trade of moving one spot up to get Mitchell Trubisky, the Saints were able to land um, Alvin Kamara, which was a steal of the draft. Now, this draft class, it was really good. It got a lot of hits. I mean, a lot of really good Pro Bowl caliber players. Um but unfortunately, you know, the Saints, they never got past the NFC Championship game. So I can't say that this helped them build a Super Bowl contending team. And the Saints as a whole, as a franchise, are kind of falling apart, you know, not even five to six years later. So kind of upsetting. Um, but listen, you know, Marshall Lanamore and Ryan Ramchek are still really good players. Alvin Kamara might be in prison soon. And then Marcus Williams left the free agency. But it is what it is, you know. Next. Number nine, we have the 2012 Seattle Seahawks. Call it biased if you want. I do not care. The Seahawks in the second and third round took two Hall of Famers in Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson. They also took Bruce Irvin, who, while he didn't live up to his first round hype as much, was definitely a solid pass rusher and definitely was a key rotational member of the Legion of Boom front seven. Listen, guys, I mean, I don't know what you want me to say. Russell Wilson in the third round is one of the best picks of all time. Bobby Wagner in the second was amazing as well. Um, this draft class in particular, I mean, they had other good draft classes, you know, in the early 2010s, but this draft class in particular really set up the Seahawks to be as successful as they were for the next 10 years. I mean, Russell Wilson alone would have made this team competitive for 10 years. You add on Bobby Wagner, who's a Hall of Fame linebacker. Um, in my opinion, the two greatest linebackers of this generation, of the, of the 2010s generation, were um, Bobby Wagner and Luke Kuechly. You can argue whichever order, but either one of those guys is one and two. And then Russell Wilson was, you know, top five quarterback for many, many, many years. So 2012 draft class for the Seahawks uh, was phenomenal. Um, other than those two guys, you know, didn't have much depth. Like I said, Bruce Irvin, 
wasn't really a great pick at in the first round, but you know what? It, it almost doesn't even matter when you take those two guys. So next at number eight, we have the 1958 Green Bay Packers taking it back a long time. But there's a lot of names that, that you guys should know here. Um, we got Jim Taylor, Ray Nitschke, and Jerry Kramer. Three or two Hall of Famers, and one should be Hall of Famer. I don't, I don't remember if Jerry Kramer made it or, or made it in or not yet, uh, but he should if he hasn't already. Listen, guys, you know you don't want to talk about the Vince Lombardi Packers. You want to talk about the you know the dynasty that Green Bay had in the late '50s or in the early '60s. It's because of draft classes like this. You know, Ray Nitschke, one of the greatest linebackers of that era. Jim Taylor was a phenomenal runner of the football, and then you know Jerry Kramer was dominant up front. So. Um, quite the early draft class for Green Bay, and it set them up for success for many years, you know, with, with Vince Lombardi. So that those early era Packers have a lot to thank to the 1958 draft class. Next, number seven, we're going to go to the 1995 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Two absolute great picks in the first round, Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp. Now, I actually kind of want to talk um, for a second and some criteria that I didn't mention. Some criteria that is kind of in play here is how good were the picks relative to what other teams were thinking, right? So I just mentioned, you know, uh, the 2012 Seahawks, right? Everybody thought Russell Wilson was too small. And he was such a, and even Bobby Wagner was considered undersized for a linebacker, right? But the Seahawks didn't believe. And the Seahawks saw a good player when everybody else was hating. Um, that was kind of the case with the 1995 Buccaneers for two different reasons. Derek Brooks was seen as you know, like too small and not big enough. Um, to play linebacker, you know, Derek Brooks was one of those first, one of the first breed of linebackers that was really an athletic, speed demon linebacker that could go sideline to sideline, could cover everybody, but still had the power to tackle and hit as well. And then Warren Sapp, um, for those of you who are alive, probably remember that Warren Sapp had a lot of character issues around the draft. Um, I believe he got caught smoking weed or something like that, um, and a lot of teams took him off his draft draft board. Um, he was one of the most dominant players in the in the in the draft, and teams just took him off the draft board because of character issues. Yada yada yada. Right. Well, the Buccaneers saw those two players, and they saw underneath all of that, they saw two Hall of Famers. They took them, and the uh, Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks anchored one of the best front sevens in league history for many years, and that led to the Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl in 2012. I mean, they don't win that Super Bowl without their defense. Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks were the two best players on that defense. So there's really, you can't say enough about that draft class. So um, good for the Buccaneers looking beyond all of the, the shit and, you know, taking their guys regardless. Next, at number six, we have the 1985 Buffalo Bills. Who did they take? Well, first overall, they took the greatest sack master in league history in Bruce Smith. Also in the third round, they took Frank Reich, who was as good of a backup quarterback as you're ever going to get. Um, ended up, until this past season with the Vikings-Colts game, came in the game and actually had the greatest comeback in league history because of Frank Reich. And obviously, you know, was a quality backup to Jim Kelly for many, many, many years. And then they took Andre Reid as well, the wide receiver, who's also a Hall of Famer. You know, two Hall of Famers and a really good backup quarterback. That's a solid draft. Um, when you take, you know, the, the leading sack master in league history, especially um, as the league started to become more pass-happy in the late 80s, early 90s, that was a huge, huge pickup, and he anchored that Buffalo Bills defense for many, many years. The Bills, you know, I mentioned earlier in the video, uh, did this draft class help you become perennial Super Bowl contenders? Well, the Bills made four straight Super Bowls. They were unable to win any of them, but they did make four straight Super Bowls, so they did have to have at least a really, really good roster to make those Super Bowls, and I think a big part of that was because of that 1985 draft class for them. All right, let's go into the top five. 
Number five right here are the 1965 Chicago Bears um, taking Gail Sayers and Dick Butkus. And, you know, l listen, like, um, I know a lot of guys, you know, they kind of, we tend to underrate um, players back then. Gail Sayers was, like, the best fucking player in the NFL for, like, a lot of years. Um, his career was unfortunately cut short due to injuries, but, I mean, that dude, he, there was games where he scored, like, six touchdowns. I mean, he could throw, he could run, he could catch, he could return punts, return kick. He could probably play, he probably could have played linebacker right next to Dick Buckus if they wanted him to. I mean, Gallup and Gail Sayers, he could do everything on the field. And from every account, from every video documentary I watch about the 60s, everybody claims how much of a tragedy it was that Gail Sayers was not able to have a fully healthy career. Um, and then that's not even mentioning, you know, Dick Buckus, who is, you know, by far and away, I think the best linebacker of that era, of that 60s, early 70s era, um, really set the... He was one of the first guys to, I think, really uh, punish you and just punish guys, right? I mean, he was just an uh, enforcer up the middle. I mean, you, if you got tackled by Dick Butkus, you were probably going to see the doctor the next week. Uh, you know, Dick Butkus was one of those OG, hard-nosed, you know, probably missing a tooth linebackers. Um, and that was kind of the, the trend that was the, the rest of the 70s and 80s. So Dick Butkus and Gail Sayers, two of the best players in the NFL um, and their time. Next, we have number four. Speaking of the best players of their time, the 1996 Baltimore Ravens, who in the first round took Jonathan Ogden, who is, by the way, one of the greatest offensive tackles of all time. They took Ray Lewis, who is one of, if not the greatest, middle linebackers of all time. And they also took a guy by the name of Jermaine Lewis, who was one of his one of the best returners of his, of his time. Um, again, you want to talk about a Super Bowl team, Ray Lewis won two Super Bowls with the Ravens, you know, in 2000 and 2012, had a long career. Jonathan Ogden was a key part of that team, one of the best tackles for a very, very, very long time. And then Jermaine Lewis actually ran back a kick for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. So, all of those guys were major contributors to a um, Super Bowl winning team, and in some cases, two Super Bowl winning teams for Ray Lewis. Um, the best players, some of the best players at their positions ever, um, two Hall of Famers, it doesn't get much better than that. You know, it does not get much better than that at all. Number three, we're going to take it 20 years past what I said for number five. We're going to go to the 1983 Chicago Bears, who took Jimbo Covert, Willie, Willie Gault, Dave Dewerson, and Richard Dent in the 1983 draft. Now, listen, you know, the Bears, they won seven straight division titles in the 1980s. And um, if you talk to anybody in Chicago, they'll tell you that the Bears won the Super Bowl in 1985. They really haven't done shit since, but... They did win the, the Super Bowl in 1985, and that was largely due to guys like Richard Dent, who ended his career with 137 and a half sacks, the all-time leading sack master for the Chicago Bears. Jimbo Covert, who was an all-time great left tackle, uh, a Hall of Famer as well. You know, Willie Gold, one of the fastest players in league history, um, was kind of Tyree Kill before Tyree Kill, although I don't think he was as nuanced as Tyree Kill, but man, that boy could fly. And then Dave Dewerson, who was a quality defensive back as well. Um, the Bears really set themselves up well and to be legit Super Bowl contenders for many years in the 80s, um, which they were. The problem was they just ran into the buzzsaw that was, you know, the 49ers um, more years than not. All right, let's go to number two. Now, this one's going to be a bit controversial, and I can understand if I get some backlash. So this would be a great time to mention that if you disagree with any of my picks down below, make sure to let me know in the comments. Um, but I want you guys to hear me out on this one, and I want, you, I want to hear your opinions as well. But I think my number two draft class of all time is going to be the Patriots when they drafted Tom Brady. Now, can I tell you anybody else in that draft class? Can I tell you, you know, who they picked, what they did? No. 
Here's what I can tell you, though. In the sixth round, they took the greatest player of all time. In the sixth round. That dude accounted for, like, six Super Bowls with the Patriots. Six Super Bowls. I think, like, four or five MVPs. Was an All-Pro every year. Was, for 20 years, the best quarterback in the NFL. And they did that in the sixth round. Picked 199th overall. Honest to God, I don't care if they had another pick in that draft. For that alone, it's the second best draft class of all time. When you take the greatest player of all, and again, we're not talking about like a first overall pick. Like if Peyton Manning was the first, if the Peyton Manning was the best player of all time, the Colts took him first overall. Okay, that's good, but that's not like an amazing draft class because you know it was a clear and obvious choice, right? He was going number one overall. He was considered by everyone to be a really, really good prospect. You took him. He was great. Okay, cool. Nobody knew jack shit about Tom Brady. And for the Patriots to have taken him 199th overall, and for him to have done everything that he did, it's just, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. So for that reason alone, in my opinion, it's the second best draft class. And then the number one draft class of all time, I don't think that this is up for debate. It's pretty much number one on everybody's list. And if you disagree, I would pretty much question your football intelligence and would wonder kind of what the hell you're thinking. That's going to be the 1974 Pittsburgh Steelers, who took four, yes, four Hall of Famers in one draft class. Some franchises don't even have four Hall of Famers. So the fact that, you know, the Steelers took four in one draft is incredible. I'll list them out for you. Lynn Swan, wide receiver. John Stallworth, wide receiver. Jack Lambert, linebacker. And Mike Webster, the center. Four of the best players of their era. Um, and four players, you know, you want to talk about the Steelers dynasty when they won four Super Bowls? You can all trace it back to 1974. You can all say that was because of that draft class, because that is the greatest draft class of all time. It set the Steelers up for success for the next 10 plus years. Those guys were revolutionary. They changed the game. They were the most dominant team of the 1970s. You cannot say enough about the 1974 draft class for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you could say even save Terry, Br is Terry Bradshaw Hall of Famer without, you know, Lynn Swan and John Stallworth, because if you remember, he was considered a bust early on. It's just, <clears throat> it's just incredible. Um, Everything that the Steelers were able to do in 1974, Chuck Noll was in his absolute bag. And um, I don't think that we'll ever see a draft class better than that. I don't know if we'll ever see a draft class in the modern day with four-plus Hall of Famers taken in by one team. Um, but that's my list, guys. That's my top ten draft classes of all time. Let me know what you guys think down below. I love hearing your guys' opinions. And if there's a draft class I missed or if there's some players I missed, make sure to let me know. Again, don't forget to subscribe. We're on the road to 100. And we're going to be streaming the draft on April 27th. Make sure to tune in. I love you guys. Catch you tomorrow.